Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today, we're talking with Dr. Eric Turner of People's Cancer Institute in Dalton. Dr. Turner's a board-certified medical oncologist and medical director of People's Cancer Institute. Dr. Turner specializes in adult cancer and hematology disorders. He completed his internal medicine residency at the University of Virginia Health System in Charlottesville, Virginia, and his medical oncology hematology fellowship training at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Dr. Turner practiced medical oncology in Calhoun, Georgia for 15 years before joining Hamilton People's Cancer Institute at 1215 Memorial Drive on the campus of Hamilton Medical Center. Dr. Turner, why did you choose to become a medical oncologist? Yeah, for me, it really came down to the patients. Um, When you're an internal medicine resident and you're rotating through your residency program, you're exposed to different types of medicine. And for me, it really was the patients that I met while I was doing my oncology rotations that I was drawn to. And so uh, it really came down to that ultimately for me. Oncology. And oncology is cancer? Cancer patients, yeah. And I really felt like I was drawn to taking care of those patients. There's just this need and connection between the physician and a patient with cancer that I felt was like a very special bond. And that's really what ultimately uh, made me decide to do it. Cancer is a very scary word. It is. And, you know, additionally for me, I had five years of research experience doing molecular cancer biology research at Duke University before I actually went back to medical school. So for me, I used that science experience and sort of joined it with the uh, clinical care side of things. And so really ultimately taking care of cancer patients and being a medical oncologist was a natural fit for me. Well, I understand. Now, tell me briefly, if you would, about your blood work. Yeah, hematology. So um, hematology and oncology. They go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, they they do go hand in hand. Oncology is really the cancer side of it. And typically from that, we're, we're talking about solid tumor types of cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, mm-hmm. uh, any, any solid organ. Hematology does have a malignant side, so you think about things like leukemias, uh, which we do. But we also do benign blood disorders, which is important to know because some patients come to the cancer center and they think, oh, you know, why am I here? But sometimes it's as simple as iron deficiency, which is a benign condition or, or a problem with the blood. And so we do both benign blood disorders as well as malignant cancerous blood disorders, and then again, solid solid tumor cancer, which is the oncology side of things. Yeah, I understand. What's your favorite part of your job? Oh, it's without a doubt, it's uh, interacting with patients. I've always sort of approached cancer care, trying to look at it from the side of the patient. Both my parents, uh, my mother had breast cancer as well as lung cancer. My father had lung cancer. And so, you know, sort of early on when I was a teenager, I was exposed to you know, going to the cancer doctor with them and, and saw how that whole system worked. And so when I, when I take care of a patient, I really try to put myself in their shoes and approach it from their standpoint. I want them to understand what's going on. I want them to be fully aware of the prognosis and what our goals of treatment are. And so that's really, for me, probably the most satisfying part of it is trying to, to have that interaction with the patient. When you went to the doctor with your parents... They had cancer, you say. Yeah. When you went to the doctor, the cancer doctor with them, and you saw what the cancer doctor was doing, how different is that from what you do today? The technology has changed so much. 
the technology is dramatically different. Um, and even when I first started practicing 20 years ago, at that time, it was probably more akin to what I was kind of used to seeing as, you know, in the patient's family side of things. We sort of had a limited amount of drugs that were available, the you know, cytotoxic chemotherapy that we would use for cancer. In the last 10 years, it's amazing the explosion of research and the, um, the advancements that have been made with drugs, and that's both intravenous IV drugs going in the vein as well as oral medications that you can take, you know, pills. Mm -hmm. And these are, are advancements in the genetic side of cancer. We know so much more genetically about what drives a cancer cell, what makes them grow, and these drugs are targeted to either attack those targets that are the driver changes in a cancer cell that makes them grow. We also have new class of drugs that have come out and have been really beneficial in the last few years called immunotherapy. Different than chemotherapy, it actually makes your body's own immune system attack the cancer. And so uh, side effects are much less. People's quality of life during therapy are a lot, you know, it's a lot better. And so the advancements compared to when my parents were dealing with that in the late 90s and early 2000s, it's really miraculous what we're, what we're doing now. Now, say that again, you, you got the chemotherapy. What's the other one, the immunotherapy. 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 Yes. Okay, that has got to be a favorite when it comes to having to choose between those two. Oh, it's um, it's a it's you know it's a big thing for the physician, and obviously uh, it's a it's a big deal for the patients as well, because for one, they have a tendency to work really well in the right situation in the right circumstance. So they can't um, be used every time. Not every time. Immunotherapy is not for everyone. Uh, you know, when they first hit the market a few years back and were available for us to use. They really started out as a lung cancer drug, a non-small cell lung cancer drug, as well as a melanoma drug. And uh, those were kind of the original two indications. Now there are dozens of indications, so they've really been studied, in, and they're being studied in pretty much every malignancy. And so there are a lot of indications for them now, and not everyone's a candidate for it. There are certain characteristics of tumors that we look for. All of it's based off clinical trial data and studies where they've been approved by the FDA. And so, But in the right circumstance, whether they're used by themselves as what we call monotherapy, mm -hmm. immunotherapy, or a lot of times we use them in conjunction with chemotherapy, depending on the clinical scenario. And again, results as far as prolonging survival, quality of life, those sort of things are just, uh, it's, it's really amazing how much immunotherapy has changed our treatments. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about yeah. uh, that some more Absolutely. Uh, in the show today. Uh, what about your spare time? I know you probably don't have much, but in yeah. your spare time, what's some things you enjoy? I love to work out. I work out with my son a lot, so he's kind of my uh, accountability partner. Tennis, that's the other big thing. Entire family plays tennis. We, I'm, I'm sort of big into the USTA leagues, and I play a ton of league tennis up here in Dalton. So wow. it's, uh, so that, I've enjoyed that. I've been doing that for six, seven years. My, my body doesn't always enjoy it, but, uh, but I love tennis, play a little bit of golf. Um, also, uh, I love old cars. My father was a big car buff, as was my brother, and so I grew up around 60s muscle, muscle cars. So love, love the Corvettes, love the, love the Camaros. So you're not the, the Mopar man. And you like the, you like the Chevrolet. I, I'm actually a little bit of a Chevy guy. I don't know if I can say that or not. But my, my dad was actually uh, he sold uh, he sold Chevrolets. He was a new car salesman for about 26 years. Is so, that so right? I grew up I grew up as a as a Chevy guy. That's all mm -hmm. you could have in my house. So, <laughs> I understand. So Corvettes and Camaros were the muscle cars of choice. Wow, they're beautiful cars, yes, both of them. Yes, Absolutely yeah, beautiful. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about People's Cancer Institute. Don't go away. 
If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Welcome back to Health for Life today, talking with Dr. Eric Turner from People's Cancer Institute. Dr. Turner, can you tell me and all of our listeners more about People's Cancer Institute? Yeah, I'd be happy to. The, the Institute opened in January of this year. It's on the campus of Hamilton Medical Center. Not even a year old. Not even a year old. It uh, opened in January. Patients started coming then. It's on Memorial Drive right there on the campus. You know, the whole idea behind People's Cancer Institute was to bring diagnostic and treatment services under one roof. That was ultimately, when you look at cancer centers, the efficiency of delivering cancer care is much better when all of the physicians, the ancillary services, and the diagnostic, uh, as much diagnostic imaging as you can have are under one roof. And that's really uh, the, the idea behind it. At the PCI, our medical oncologists are in the building our radiation oncologists are in the building, all of our clinical support staff like social work, our uh, dietitian, and uh, our other support services are all under that one roof. And so it just allows for a more efficient and more comprehensive cancer care model. And so we're really proud of that. Pretty soon we'll also be having some of our surgical clinics there as well, um, which is something we're looking forward to uh, having at PCI. I really feel like we are transforming. Our goal was to transform the uh, cancer care in the region. Not only do we want to have our multidisciplinary team taking care of patients in Dalton and, and the surrounding county, but we really uh, want our outreach to be regional mm-hmm. and, and become a regional referral center for cancer care uh, in northwest Georgia. Well, you were, you mentioned social workers. Mm-hmm. Now that uh, helps families, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. You know, having a diagnosis of cancer has a lot. There's a lot of things that that go along with that, and it affects not only the patient, but it affects their their family. Um, it affects their lives in general, and so it's really important to have social work be able to set up whatever services you may need. That may be something as simple as a gas card for transport back and forth to the center, so you can get treatment or assist with disability, just various things like that. There's so many things that uh, Mitch Gibson, our social worker, she's outstanding. We love having her there and she, she works so hard, but just does a great job with our patients trying to make sure that they have access to cancer care and to everything that they need to get their cancer taken care of. That would be such a scary thing to go to the doctor and find out that you have cancer. And it's wonderful to have yeah, People's Cancer absolutely. Institute in Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you so much. We're we're really excited about it. Um, you know, Hamilton Medical Center and PCI ranked in the top 10% in the nation for patient safety for cancer care. As well, I kind of said earlier, we want to approach it from a patient standpoint. Mm-hmm. We want your experience from the time you pull into the parking lot through the front door first people you meet, the receptionists, all the way through your journey in that building, we want it to feel like family. And that's really what we strive to do. I tell you, that is a beautiful building. 
yeah. absolutely gorgeous. And, yeah. and the architecture and the way that uh, uh, you guys put that thing together, just absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, it's state-of-the-art, all of the equipment, the radiation center. Um, we have the capability of basically performing any radiation technique there is. Um, our linear true beam accelerator, we can do brachytherapy beads, we can do stereotactic body radiation for small spots. The, the radiation oncologists there are outstanding, top-notch guys. Those radiation guys, uh, I was talking with one the other day, they were talking about how they can just pinpoint that yeah. and, and, and not harm any other cells around it, but just yeah. get that cancer. Right. Right, that's exactly right, and then so that you know, there's various techniques that we use for radiation. Um, the kind of the what most people think of as radiation is called external beam radiation, where you you use computers to to mark tumors and irradiate. But sometimes, if that tumor's small enough, for example, let's say a patient has like a tiny uh, half inch or one inch lung cancer, mm-hmm. and it's isolated, and that's it. Sometimes. Patients will go to surgery, but sometimes they may not be a candidate. Say they have some other health issue, a heart right. problem or something, then sure. they're not a surgical candidate. Well, what do you do? Well, as opposed to going in and taking chemotherapy and getting sick and all that, you can actually take those concentrated beams, what we call SBRT, stereotactic body radiation therapy, and they can hone that in and, in essence, more or less be equivalent to a surgical technique and really get good results and and very little side effects. So this kind of pinpoint accuracy, this is just non-evasive. That's correct. It's a, it's not you, so you don't have to go in with a surgical approach in those situations and they 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 hone in with that radiation beam and and destroy those cancer cells right there. And again, there's not really in those situations the collateral damage is a is a minimal. And so um, it's it's really a great technique to have and we have the ability to do that at PCI. Well, let me ask you another question about cancer. Does it grow really fast? I mean, once you find cancer, it just does it just seem like it just grows and grows? Yeah, so that really depends on the type of cancer. Pathologists look at the cancer. They can actually give you an indication of how aggressive that tumor may be behaving. The genetics of the cancer, and that's one of the, the areas of active research, is trying to look at how the genes are mutated within cancers. And sometimes that can give us an indication of how aggressive the cancer might grow. But it varies a little bit. Some cancers are very uh, active and grow very quickly. Others are much more indolent. So, for instance, sometimes a patient, if you were diagnosed with a what we call a low-grade lymphoma, some of those patients actually don't ever have to undergo therapy because they grow so slowly that odds are some other medical condition is going to do you harm before that lymphoma. So once in a while, you'll run into that situation where you know it's, it's such a slow-growing cancer that it really is not harmful to you um, or that the treatment may be minimal. But there are, on the other end of that spectrum, are the very you know, rapidly growing cancers that you have to do something about quickly uh, or you'll, you can you know, succumb to the illness. Well, I think about uh, Alex Trebek. Yep. Alex Trebek, who passed away just yep. in the last month or so, right. Alex Trebek had uh, stage four pancreatic yes. cancer, but he had uh, no idea he even had it. Yes. Is, is it that it grew that fast, or is it because that uh, you, it, it, there's no signs that you have it? Yeah, a lot of malignancies in, 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 uh, in a case like pancreatic cancer, for instance, oftentimes in those situations, you can have that cancer growing and not really know it's there until it gets to the size or if it spreads somewhere where it causes a symptom that suddenly you have to go be evaluated by mm-hmm. a physician. And so a lot of times it really depends on, on the type of cancer. But uh, in, in his case, uh, you know, I don't know all the details of that, but for pancreatic cancer, oftentimes when people present, 
it can be at a more advanced stage, a stage four type disease, just by the nature of where it's growing and, and how big it has to be before you even know it's there. Before you even have yeah. an idea. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'd like to talk about ways that our listeners can prevent cancer. Okay. All right. Sounds we'll do good. that in just yeah, a moment. Absolutely. Be right back on Health for Life. Is it time for a heart-to-heart? Ask your primary care physician if you should have a heart-to-heart with one of Hamilton Physician Group's board-certified cardiologists. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, this can be especially important. Hamilton Physician Group Cardiology, located at 1436 Broderick Drive in Dalton. Call 706-226-3434 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash cardiology. That's 706-226-3434. Be a hero. Stop a stroke. If you think someone you're with is having a stroke, ask him to smile. Does his face droop? Have him raise both arms. Does one arm drift down? Can he repeat a simple phrase without slurring? If you see even one of these symptoms, call 911 right away. Because when it's a stroke, every second counts. Hamilton Medical Center has a nationally ranked, highly trained rapid stroke team ready to care for you. Hamilton Medical Center, health for life. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. You're back on Health for Life. We're with Dr. Eric Turner of People's Cancer Institute. Uh, let's talk about breast cancer. How does breast cancer occur? Tell me about breast cancer. Yeah, breast cancer, like any other malignancy, basically happens when cells start to abnormally divide, and they can divide continually sometimes in a rapid fashion. And when that happens over time, you basically start to develop a spot. That spot will destroy healthy tissue um, and eventually usually manifest as something that you can feel within the breast. Are there symptoms of breast cancer? There can be. One of the important things to understand also with uh, breast cancer is that it's early detection. Ultimately, the most important part in understanding breast cancer are screening mammograms. And that's what you know everyone really needs to keep in mind is that you can have spots within the breast that are very, very small that you cannot feel. Just like we were talking about earlier with some malignancies, you just don't know they're there. And so what we know is that the earlier you can catch the breast cancer, the more likely we can cure it. And so having a yearly mammogram when it's time for screening is a very important thing for for women to consider doing. Now, symptoms-wise, yes, if it is not detected by mammogram or if it's a rapidly growing tumor and gets large enough, sometimes it's just a spot, just Mm -hmm. a lump in the breast. But you can have other signs and symptoms. You can have 
discharge from the nipple complex. You can have dimpling or retraction of the skin where you see sort of a, a dimple within the skin. Sometimes the skin will get red, um, sort of an inflamed look. Uh, sometimes the breast will become swollen. So there are some signs and symptoms that uh, are, are, you know, telltale for breast cancer. But again, some of those you don't have, and it really comes down to screening screening and imaging and finding them really early. Well, are all breast cancers lumped cancers? Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, the vast majority will present as a lump or mass. There are some very aggressive types of breast cancer, like inflammatory breast cancer, which actually can get inside the lymphatic channels of the breast and really spread throughout the throughout the breast. And sometimes those are less mass-like and mm-hmm. sort of more all-encompassing of the breast tissue as well as even the skin of the breast. But they grow fast. Those tend to grow fast, they yes. Grow fast. yes. Now, can men have breast cancer? Men can have breast cancer. Um, women are a hundredfold more likely to have breast cancer by virtue of, one, more breast tissue, and secondly, estrogen. So estrogen is often a, a feeding stimulus that can create you know, can cause breast cancer. So one of the other reasons women tend to have more breast cancer cases than men has to do with, uh, you know, hormone hormone levels. Now, what are the risk factors for breast cancer? Yeah, so um, so there are definitely some uh, risk factors there. I think first one being older age, you know, generally speaking, cancer as just a general statement tends to be in, involve older older individuals. And that's no, no, really no different with breast cancer. Um, women over the age of 50, 55 are, are at higher risk. But with that said, we see plenty of it in, you know, late 20s, early 30 year olds. You know, you have to be cognizant of it for sure. Family history, especially a first degree relative. So if, uh, if it's a mother or sister, a daughter that has breast cancer, that increases your risk. Genetics can cause breast cancer. So there, there are mutations that people carry, inherited mutations that increase your risk uh, of having breast cancer as well. And one of the things we're doing uh, at the PCI is instituting a genetics program, um, a personal history of breast cancer. If you have breast cancer um, yourself, you're always at increased risk of having uh, a second breast cancer, whether it be, even though the, the cancer was eliminated, even though you eliminate it, even if, uh, uh, you know, if you had a mastectomy, for instance, the other breast is still at risk. If you had a lumpectomy, that same breast or the other breast would be at risk. So yeah, you have definitely have a, uh, an increased risk over your lifetime of having a second malignancy. Race can play a role. Caucasian women are uh, more likely than other races to have breast cancer. Post-radiation. So if let's say uh, you had radiation therapy for something else, Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, you you're 18 years old, you're diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and you get radiation on your chest wall as a female. When you're 30, 40 years old, that radiation therapy theoretically can cause you to have an increased risk of breast cancer because the breasts were in the field of radiation back when you were 18. Mm-hmm. So as you go forward uh, in time, if you've had radiation therapy to your chest for something like lymphoma or a lung cancer or a thyroid cancer, your risk of breast cancer is higher. So you have to you know, pay attention to that. And there are other factors. Um, how many pregnancies you've had or whether you've had a pregnancy can affect it. Uh, these are hormonal-related things. So if you've had, uh, if you start your menstrual flow before age 12 or if you're late uh, in, in stopping it, say, after age 55, those are increased risk factors for breast cancer. For breast cancer. Yeah, because your body has seen more years of estrogen. And, again, estrogen can be a driving force for breast cancer. So uh, so your your hormonal history also plays a big role in what your, your risks are. And the other thing that I think is important is uh, obesity and lifestyle. Obesity 
in essence can increase estrogen levels and you can have increased risk for breast cancer. So encouraging, you know, active lifestyle and weight loss, which is important for many reasons, is very important in breast cancer as well. So it's one of the risk factors. What about smoking? Smoking data, they're actually, it's not nearly as strong as it is with lung cancer, for instance, but there's actually some literature out there looking at both smoking as well as alcohol, that there is probably some association with that. And so, yeah, that's a a great question. Again, not as strongly associated as it is with some other types of cancers like lung or throat cancer. But um, again, same sort of thing as we were just talking about with weight, less alcohol and not smoking. And for for many, many reasons, those are good things to avoid. Well, I understand, but I never would have thought of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Having being a contributing factor to breast cancer. Yeah, and like I said, it's, a, it's sort of a, a loose and not as well known, un, or not as much understood about it. But um, you know, there is some data out there that suggest uh, alcohol can be associated with it. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how breast cancer is detected. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. You're listening to Health for Life with Dr. Eric Turner, People's Cancer Institute in Dalton. Dr. Turner, how is breast cancer found? Yeah, I think the most important aspect of that really comes down to uh, screening tests. And so the most common way for screening for breast cancer would be through a routine yearly screening mammogram, as we talked about earlier. There are other imaging um, modalities as well, uh, sometimes depending on the risk of breast cancer or sometimes a say, uh, for dense breast, we have to turn to MRIs of the breast, which is very sensitive for picking up breast cancers, ultrasounds, and other techniques. So there are various techniques. Uh, like I said, the backbone of that would be mammogram. At uh, Hamilton Medical Center, um, we are updating our new breast cancer coil, as we call it. So um, that will be coming here in the very near future. Gotcha. And we're excited about having that what technology. Is that? Well, so, uh, you know, most people have heard of an MRI, and we always think about it for our knees and our elbows and our shoulder joints with the orthopedic guys, but you can image various body parts and can MRI image the breast and get a more detailed picture of the breast than even mammography can give you. And uh, by doing so, you can get lesions, pick up lesions that are smaller, and you can also see lesions in dense breast tissue that mammography can miss. And so that's really why it's important. And it also helps sometimes with surgical planning for the surgeon. So there's a lot of reasons and a lot of usefulness for MRI. Dr. Turner, we're about out of time. Before we let you leave, let me ask you if there's anything that you would like to leave our listeners with, maybe a word of advice, what would that be? Yeah, I think as we've talked about today, the the word of advice really is to see your doctor, stay up on your screenings. Ultimately, you need to discuss routine screenings, and that's for all cancer types, whether it be mammogram, colonoscopies for colorectal cancer, pap smears for female cancers, PSA checks, prostate checks, or if you're a a smoker and at high risk for lung cancer, there are low-dose CT scans uh, that we do at Hamilton Diagnostics to detect lung cancer in the early stages for higher curability. So really making sure you're up to date on your screening for cancer, that's, that's the most important thing. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Turner. For more information or an appointment at People's Cancer Institute, call 844 
PCI Hope, 844 PCI H O P E. To make an appointment for a 3D mammogram, call 706 272 6565. And to learn more about People's Cancer Institute, visit HamiltonHealth.com slash cancer. Be a hero. Stop a stroke. If you think someone you're with is having a stroke, ask him to smile. Does his face droop? Have him raise both arms. Does one arm drift down? Can he repeat a simple phrase without slurring? If you see even one of these symptoms, call 911 right away. Because when it's a stroke, every second counts. Hamilton Medical Center has a nationally ranked, highly trained rapid stroke team ready to care for you. Hamilton Medical Center. Health for life. Is it time for a heart to heart? Ask your primary care physician if you should have a heart to heart with one of Hamilton Physician Group's board certified cardiologists. If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, this can be especially important. Hamilton Physician Group Cardiology, located at 1436 Broderick Drive in Dalton. Call 706 226 3434 or visit HamiltonHealth.com slash cardiology. That's 706 226 3434. Did you know that colon cancer claims over 50,000 lives each year? The good news is that colonoscopies save lives. Convenient appointments are available at Hamilton Medical Center's new Bandy Endoscopy Center, located at the corner of Broadrick and Memorial Drives. Hamilton follows CDC guidelines and screens for COVID-19 symptoms at the door. If you are age 50 or older or have a family history of colon cancer, ask your primary care provider to schedule your colonoscopy. Please don't delay important medical screenings. Your health won't wait. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. For more information, visit HamiltonHealth.com or CDC.gov. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 